0: And that takes us back a ways. Good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, spoken word program airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Coming up on the show today, devoting again this both hours to uh, the recent uh, Poets at Art Fest five, three-day poetry festival. And from it, uh, you're going to hear from the second session in the second full session in the Sunday afternoon portion of uh, that. And that was held on, what was it? Yeah, June 30th. Uh, You're going to hear readings by Colleen Lyons. Natalie Sorensen, and Tara Keener. I did play one poet off that, uh, John Steffler, last week. So uh, that was the fourth person and the first one to read that hour. In the second hour, moving into then the third session on that second day of that festival, uh, you'll hear readings by Krista Asselstein, Dale Tracy, Allison Chisholm, and Michael E. Castile's. This first, though, the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So let's go ahead and begin. Going, uh, We've stretched this for a few weeks already, and I've still got a few weeks left to go. Uh, of this, uh, 56 poets were uh, featured in this festival. I guess 55 this year uh, featured in this festival. And uh, we're now, I guess, about halfway through. Uh, so we're going to begin two readings from uh, that afternoon session. Uh, poets at Art Fest 5 should also mention uh, that uh, these readings took place from June 29th through July 1st. And the festival itself, the Poetry Festival itself, was tied to the much larger Art Fest Kingston 2019. So let's go ahead and just jump into it. Up first uh, today, here is, and again from that second afternoon session, here is Colleen Lyons. Up next, Colleen Lyons. Unpublished and unesteemed, Colleen Lines <laughs> <laughs> is sitting on uh, quantum volumes of content ranging from empirical nonfiction to sporadic prose. Spastic prose, sorry. Today you'll see uh, the latter in a mixed media beatnik performance art style. She combines playful aphorism. Nima Das is right here. Mantras of universal truth and mundane drivel to attempt to reveal the macabre yet meaningful foray of mankind. Let's bring her up since she's already there. <laughs> Hello.
1: of gestures and waving my arms, but there will be a combination of that and here. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm Colleen. I've prepared a fresh piece that I wrote last week for this. Um, I wished to memorize it in time, but I didn't achieve that. So I'm going to start with an older one. I wrote many years ago when I was still starting. It doesn't speak of where I'm at now as a writer, but I've got it memorized, so I'm comfortable performing it. Three to four minutes of a 45 minute long piece called Art Because. Art because it is the only way that life makes sense. Art because it holds both the forest and the trees. It knows all your knots and nuances, the silent, sacred intimacies of influencing the language of all honesties. (laughs) Art because what other than love is limitless, what else holds revered your reminiscences, forgiving resolve for all resistances, celebrates every nook and cranny of your tendencies and scatters them with glitter, luminescences. What rolls wrong into right, like a brush taking flight, lets your turmoil be turned into butterflies, tessellate high. As your fear, tears into years of unforgotten understanding unlaces your pride and your fears. As one, cause as much as I'd like to divulge that I just like art for every reason, what burns and adjourns between honor and yearn is that above all, all art is revealing. In each brimming breath I benedict to see because I think in paint and poetry. When I ponder, it's piano keys, sleep to the temporal tapping of typewriter's melodies. Every dish I wash, I sing, and gosh, when I'm cut, not faith, but color bleeds. When I stretch, my ribcage fills with prisms of virtue. Fingertips streak saccharine exploration into the air. Prayers of marigolds, mother's hugs, hummingbirds, moss, grows meaning into my heart and everywhere. Heels like the sweet peace that glides through your mind in the fresh, quiet paces after a storm. Since the sum of sources content is constant, can't be discarded, so through art may our misery transform. To every soldier streaming through the streets In silent sleek subservience Doing more than just sucking up sun and pollution Or as existentialists put it, a cause without a solution No art lets you see the entire contribution Of creation alone is our role in evolution If it's got art, it's got a soul And a soul cannot be told apart from its lesson And since every lesson counts, then so does art If it's got art, it's got a soul And the soul cannot be told apart from its lesson And since every lesson counts, then so does art I'll write up myself a new epic, a consecrated, fan the pages, mark the progress of the ages, be amongst the poets' the sages, be amongst the artists' free, buried under duty sadists who don't understand destiny. To create well is to be weightless, don't be heavy, but be deep, don't be too heady and retreat, no, you must be simple, sweet, You must say straight what you mean. Bravely, you must shake the reins. Rattle what it means to heed a body. Unbridle your brains. Brandish the bit and bat the hay and canter on. It is your day. Winnie, darling, go on play. Gallop up and set the pace. Feel the music on your face and taste the magic on your breath. Rise up in a rollick, grace. Who cares if they have to guess? Make a splatter sequin mess, and if you get it on your dress, remember that your favorite frock belongs not on bottom, but on top sacred standing on the pile, not hanging lifeless at the back. It's your body that it wants, your smile, every muscle crack as you sit and as you stand, the fabric's made to move, to mold, to surrender as you dance, to shelter you when you get cold, to get dirty, fancy pants, then maybe to be clean again. All I'm saying, audience, is you were made to be used, not left. You've got groovy, groovy threads. Get it through your goofy head. You are made of treasure, rubies. You are alive, you are not dead. You are here and not instead of someone else within your shoes. Every strand upon your head, every wrinkle, every bruise. Your heart is your only muse. Your meager mind may ever need your heart's taken mad abuse and still it beats and still it beats says baby let's savor the day it points out the flowers and trees it holds you high as quiet prey it never even makes you say please it makes you merry makes you gray it breaks you down to your knees it reminds you that you're okay it carries a lot of grief. But it does so with a grace. It speaks in a language of ease, and you never have to cheat, and you never have to chase. It helps to have some belief, but you don't need it to be embraced by the earthly fig leaf bound to a ball in space, beckoned forth with bars and beasts, the dainties and the deviled eggs, with the buried Egyptian mummies, with the bureaucratic banks, bombing the third world with money in the form of t- torpedoes, tanks. Precious, you weren't sent to love me, says your heart in endless thanks. To imagine fairies, mermaids, to order medium rare steaks, to find some friends and get real chummy, or forgive yourself if you ain't one of them. The future's sunny. Stay above the sickening hate, if you may, and promenade past all your gut declares is ugly freshen up the air like blades cut the bullshit like razor blades don't waste your minutes here, so grumpy trust me poet on the stage idyllic imposter new age oration on happiness dummy hitsy diction and deranged never mind a little clumsy clutching the mic as i beg you to be what you're becoming in a rhyming sermon hungry for your final freedom fully. Take this, if nothing else, from me. Follow inside that filthy ache, cause nothing's worth it, nothing to lose that pull. It is your fate. If you suck it back, it fades. If it fades, you will feel crummy. If you face it, you'll be bloody powerful within a day, and nobody can get in your way. If you follow the fierce tugging, let it tug you to your grave. Be fearless as it pulls you under, deeper into passion's thunder. In a dungeon as a slave, die eternally dedicate. Didn't I earlier say that it's supposed to feel light and fluffy? Well, I mean it in the way. The playing makes a puddle muddy. Jump and let the droplets spray. Summer solstice, 7 a.m. at the common market. Eat an apple, smear my jam on the side of a smuggled crumpet. I was brought here with my man. On his way to work, a puppet. I am to a poem that plans to leave my hand and stomach. Sometimes I don't release the verse, and in me grows and... Sometimes I don't release the urge, and in me grows and grows the verse. And the... Potenty disperses, really, it is quite a curse. Cause I always forget the words. But on and on will come to me, and if I fail to rehearse them at once cursively, they reabsorb back into me, making me a weirder girl, sponging all the art I see, and never to unfurl. So in the pockets of my flannel tees, I keep a mini notebook coiled. Jack Kerouac advised one needs to jot down all the noise, As soon as it hits you, cross the knees or it'll be lost. All that poetry requires that you respond with the pen immediately. So what can't really be called files of mine consisting of receipts and parking tickets, ripped napkins, sometimes antique handkerchiefs contain in words all of the racket rhyming that my being breeds. All my attempts to catch it, use whatever is nearest to me. To get it down in way that's timely, using eyeliner or highlighter or crayon or barista's pen, I'd use my own blood if I must. Instead of keeping it in my head, they must come out before I'm dead, for there's a lesser chance that they'll be read if they remain in my mind suppressed. I've been all my life depressed, mostly due to an apathy, of resistance to express all the art that's asked of me. So now I'm learning, I confess that in these pointless ramblings, I'm refining ever. Yes, I'm ripping off the packaging. With my teeth it's happening. I'm to the heavens grappling. I'm super slowly tackling, eager as a sapling or carelessly clamoring. While the crowd's politely clapping, I'll soon go back to napping, curtsy and collapsing. While these tent doors are flapping, instead of my wrists slashing, I'm reciting, rolling, laughing. I'm, after all, a tempting talent. I have some sort of advantage in the lens through which I do observe. I see a steady magic in the mundane world in the swooping pigeon birds, in the city poutine curds, in the unstoppable tragic brandishing of all our nerves, in the concave of our necks, and the limitless disrespect we have, and limitless regrets, and all our limitless regrets. All of us having senseless sex, all the old men sitting in circles at coffee shops, in the mornings, who needed advisory warning, conversations ever boring, kept their wives up all night snoring, still I find them so enchanting, all the racist jokes they're cracking, and the smell of grass that's mowing, the secretary's slip that's showing, and the boyfriend who's proposing, all the mass graves decomposing, all the bunnies in magic hats, waiting to be pulled for tricks, all the items you won't scratch off on all your to-do lists every fallen eyelash caught for you to make a wish, every empty underpass and every polluted ocean fish, every lonely apartment bath and every hardened sidewalk spit says we are not going back, we're thrust forward in a spin. With every molecule of trash we're forced to somehow with to live, and if until we are zapped back into oblivion, and I find it kind of bad, though not as a nihilist, but as an artist ever sad, relieved by the impermanence, inspired by the endurance of the sprinklers on alarms, as if the dew is the purest nourishment under the stars, as if we should ever be nervous when presenting birthday cards to all the relatives who heard us, as if it is hard to show our feelings so uncertain, hovering in depenards, thumbing through the tabs labeled death or grad or just regards debt and math and ballet bars every quiet couple clasped in new embrace and every last breath a living man will take or grasp clinging to the drapes like all the infomercial ads warning you of heart attacks or some slip peacefully away and all the innocent garden snakes or the stuffy countryside trains all the articulate explains unheard of minorities in pain the autumn leaves as they change, the bird bath of splashy play, the cologne at the cabaret is all alive every day and every juniper and sprig that's distilled into Bombay, and every blameless swig, and every hungover bellyache, and every snapping forest twig, and every soaking tourniquet that braces punctured lung and rib, and every blossoming bouquet of fluffy peonies in season. Oh, and every paltry reason you cannot make it to the screening, or in God that you stopped believing. Oh, you haunted, humanic heathen, are you happy? Have you eaten? Are you hollow? Are you sappy? Are you honest? are you cheating? Have you figured out the meaning, or are you lost within the planning? Have you tried slowing down and breathing? How long will you resist the dancing? in this poem i'm commanding you to recognize your worth urging you to take your hand unbutton the top of your shirt and go on this afternoon understanding nothing needs to be saved or cured you are perfect where you're planted in your passiveness or nerve in your normalcy or absurdity my lean you have my word, you have all of eternity, to find peace in the universe. Find the truth in your sovereignty, or on the lips of a crazy girl. Embrace your autonomy, the clarity within the burn. Thank
0: you. This <laughs> Colleen Lyons, let's give her another hand. And you just heard a reading by Colleen Lyons in the uh, second session of the second day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. Up next in that session, here is Natalie Sorensen. Up next, Natalie Sorensen enjoys writing poetry after a lifetime of reading it. She is published in literary magazines and anthologies. She studied English literature and and education and taught English at St. Lawrence College. She lives in Kingston where she gardens, takes photographs, and spends time with her family at their weekend house on the Salmon River. Let's bring up Natalie Sorensen.
2: Hi, everyone. So a few years ago, I, I went to the Dordogne region in France, and I was lucky enough to be able to see the famous cave Lascaux, which has the, uh, the paintings of the Magdalenian people 17,000 years ago. Uh, as you probably know, it's, it's a reproduction, but somebody wrote a, an MA thesis, and it's apparently a wonderful uh, reproduction. Anyway, it really had a big effect on me. So this is Lascaux. High on the rugged ceiling, huge aurochs loom. Two bulls armed with long curved horns face to face. Their massive flanks, dewlaps, soft muzzles, tower over me. Elk, magnificent antlers branching big as trees, wander among bison, lions, a rhinoceros. Here with these animals, I am alive in another time. I see a black cow, legs out, cloven hooves pointing, falling through the air. Horses all around her. Just over there, a light orange stallion gallops on short, slender legs, chasing a full-bellied mare. Below them, five small ponies in woolly winter coats walk in line along a ledge of rock. No one knows why the artist painted these images, but in this soft tallow light, this sanctuary of animals, I am remade. These beasts know me. I am bigger, wilder, older than I knew. At dawn, I wake to a world cold and bright. Across the foaming river, deep in tall grass, I see the aurochs passing. And the next one is also about cave paintings. This uh, was an image, I didn't get into this cave because it's uh, in a private estate and it's not open to the public, but uh, I saw a wonderful image. So this is Stag Man. Hidden in the far inner reaches of a limestone cave in France lives a rare being, half man, half horse. His strong legs and feet are human, his body and tail are horse. A long pointed beard covers his chest, and from his head rise the giant antlers of a stag. Standing like a man, He lifts one foot and turns his head. He looks directly at us with two round black eyes. He knows we are here. He was alive 13,000 years ago. Gazing at him now, spellbound, do we hear echoes of a bone flute as he dances in dim lamplight? Do we see eerie shadows flickering on the artist who paints him here, high on the cave wall? Stagman, utterly himself, is not alone. We know his horns, his dance. Shamans dream like this, tribal peoples, the great god Pan himself. So plainly, so poignantly, He asks their questions, our questions, more urgent now than ever. What is the wild? What is the wild in me? How do I live it? A few few months ago, I had a trip on a train with my friend Philippe, and uh, we looked at the work of Odilon Rodon, a French symbolist painting who he did his best work around the turn of the, of the 20th century and some in the 19th century. So this is uh, Traveling with Odillon for Philippe. We settle, my friend and I, in an old gray train. The early spring landscape, empty fields and leafless trees darkens outside our window. As the train departs, we bend our heads over a small, bright screen. It glows iridescent in the dark, and we enter another realm, the Orphic mind of Odio Redon. In this time out of time, his paintings speak in colors luminous as radiant dreams. Here sits his sphinx, scarlet, under ultramarine skies. Venus, showing us her back, reclines on a red shell over seething moss-green seas, billowing amber, amber clouds. His Buddha is dying in shadow under a huge golden tree, glinting stars rising into sapphire air. But it's not these splendid figures that enchant us tonight, but how Odion paints his flowers, his native lands and seas. His pictures are alluring cloudlands, amorphous shapes and lively fields of color. Garden blooms lose their contours. Butterflies open their wings, fly over blurring boundaries between earth and air inner and outer seeing. He knew secrets in leaves and grasses, in seashells, in magic sea creatures, tree trunks thrusting out their branches as in a dream. And he painted many small sailboats. One or two people set off into unknowns of sea and sky. We recognized them with startling intimacy our own reveries laid out before us on this modest screen, brilliant, glowing in the moving dark. In one small boat, a red skiff under an amber sail, two women in blue, white shawls over their heads, sit together, the air is hopeful, expectant, the sea gray and the sky turbulent white caps on the waves carry their immaculate veils out into the deep the boat is heaped with many colored gems nothing but a cargo of jewels shining with unearthly light when the train stops this is what awaits us as we gather our bags leave our grab seats close with regret the bright screen step off into the cool dark of home, we find a great ocean, white wave upon white wave, expanding into far horizons. There is Odillon's small boat with the golden sail, ready to carry us into our lives, our uncharted seas, freighted with jewels. This next little poem is uh, in honor of Mary Oliver, who died, as you know, this past January. So this is Tea with Mary Oliver. Mary brings me out to the salt marshes that fringe wide reaches of a sighing sea. The beach is deserted this cold afternoon, but for three sandpipers high-stepping in the shallows. She spreads a blanket on the sand Sets out biscuits and a thermos of strong tea. Listen, she says to me. Don't say a word. Rustle of reeds, sandpipers peeping, crabs crawling. An ermine peeks from behind a rock, his fur molting from summer brown to winter white. Don't worry, she whispers. We won't take your royal pelt. The ermine stares at us for a long moment, turns and scurries into the reeds, swaying behind him in light wind. Mary smiles as she pours two cups of tea. A couple more. So this is one of my Zen poems, and I use as an epigraph of very well-known sentence from the Diamond Sutra translated by Red Pine. This is the epigraph. As a lamp, a cataract, a star in space, an illusion, a dewdrop, a bubble, a dream, a cloud, a flash of lightning. View all created things like this. So my poem is Living the Dream. White chiffon curtains blow in a warm spring breeze. Brush my cheek as I sit at my window this early evening. Drop gently as air stills. A morning dove calls, once, twice, flies away. I hear silence until two small girls next door run shouting to their trampoline, bounce and laugh. Bubbles in the dri- in the stream, dewdrops glistening in the grass. White clouds, halcyon in the sun, drift slowly across the blue. In far spirals of our galaxy, nebulae birth new stars as old ones die. Meteor showers spark briefly through dark early mornings, vanish in a flash. Lightning strikes, trees shatter, towers fall. Mountains explode, sending Earth's inner fire, sweeping down slopes. Slowly, so slowly, they green again. All this is our dream. Live it, says Dogen. It's our illusion, our world, what we have. Engage your pain, your work, the huge unknown ahead. Live your dream within a dream, your fragrant fields humming with bees. Dusk is falling fast and the children have gone indoors. A robin's even song fills the garden. I listen, just this music, just this fading light, just this. The last one is uh, a poem about my aunt for my mother's sister, Horette Meunier. On Hampton Beach, ocean waves lulled you those summer nights, laughing the shore, scattering seashells on freshly washed sand. None of you knew what was coming when your father, holding his new camera, filmed long minutes of the waves before turning to you, his three daughters. You all walked proudly that day on the Strand, each on the arm of her new fiancé. So soon you were gone, Orette, taken down by tuberculosis. Before you could be married, before I could know you, they buried you on Côte des Neiges, so many tombs, so many crosses scattered over the mountain. You are forever under snow, Drifts of white forming and reforming, shifting winds swirling along the slopes. For your degree in botany, you made three albums of dried plants, carefully labeled in your tidy hand, both Latin and French. Your mother held them like holy texts. As a girl, I too gathered flowers, pressed them between boards, arranged dry bouquets on cards. Did I receive this art from you, a woman I never knew? I have your square face, your love of learning, your quiet. I see you walking a spring meadow, billowing with blooms. You pick the clearest, most perfect specimens for your album. No one now remembers you alive. A single life, you are passing over the lip of memory into that forgetfulness which laps incessantly at the ragged edges of the known, swelling the tide of time, surging over us all. Thank you.
0: That was Natalie Sorensen. Let's give her another hand. Tara Keener, up next. And kind of a bad cut where I cut that off, but you'll hear it in a second again. Uh, You just heard, uh, this time, a reading by Natalie Sorensen in the second session of the second day of the three-day Poets and Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival and I tell you what, I probably should do this now, and I'll be right back.
3: Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evenings from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland.
4: The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136.
0: Folk Everything, every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC.
5: Says Red Molly to James, that's a fine motorbike.
1: Loving Spoonful is a community food organization in Kingston, Ontario. We work to create and promote food security in our city through many projects, including community gardens, farmers markets, Grow a Row, food reclamation, and community kitchens. Currently, Loving Spoonful is looking for volunteers to help deliver fresh healthy food to shelters and meal programs. We are also seeking volunteers to participate in Kitchen Work Bees, where we
6: preserve surplus produce to be used in meal programs. Please email info at LovingSpoonful.org if you're interested in getting involved. For more information about Loving
1: Spoonful, visit www.LovingSpoonful.org.
0: And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca as well. So uh, going back into that second day and in the second afternoon session of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival on June 30th, up next in it and was the final poet in that session, here is Tara Kaner and at the University of Regina and uh, Queen's University. Currently employed as a social justice advocate in the Justice, Peace, and uh, Integrity of Creation Office of the Sisters of Providence of St. Vincent de Paul in Kingston, Ontario. She's the mother of three grown children and the author of a book of poems, When I Think on Your Lives. Uh, Her work can be found in the new anthology, apparently a bunch of you are. The inspired heart for teens. So let's bring up Tara Keener.
7: In the interest of time, and because I cannot stand these mosquitoes much longer, I'm gonna keep it short. Uh, The first poem is called The Reading and it uh, is set in the Novel Idea Bookstore, which I'm sure all all of you know. So The Reading. Coming into the bookstore to browse, you stumble upon it by chance. Ask me afterwards, shy and awkward in your unkempt clothes, your wife slouching sullenly behind you, whether we are authors too. Confess you'd thought about writing a book yourself once, the story of your great-grandfather, a stonemason in the mid-1880s who'd blasted great chunks of stone into perfect clean-edged blocks, hauled them out of the quarry to build churches and stately homes along King Street. You would describe him as a boy, tell how he and his friends hid out in the bushes on Montreal Street behind the now-collapsed train station, lying low with their fishing poles smeared with honey to capture the wild, golden canaries. They'd pop them, singing, into homemade wooden cages to sell at the market on the waterfront lot. You talked, and the memories quickened into stars in your eyes. They blazed with the understanding there's a poem inside of you, too, embodying your great-grandfather's antics, a boy with his buddies marching proudly together down to the lake with their melodious lute. Um, and the other two poems I'm going to read are both about crows. Um, this is the time of year when adult crows introduce their young into the wide world. Um, they're as big as their parents, so you really can't tell that they're young until they, you notice that they've got their beaks open, constantly waiting for their parents to feed <laughs> them. And they're crying all the time so i I live in a part of town where there are old trees and uh, apparently there are a lot of crows where i live so this one is called crows and three tapes one they follow me around the neighborhood now last summer when they were a family of five i started feeding them mom and dad working hard to keep three youngsters alive i could see there were difficulties so demanding those little ones such complainers Some mornings, lying in bed listening to them, I would laugh out loud. Outside in the yard, whining and wailing, fussing and fretting, such a ruckus. One day, I saw them on the roof of the neighbor's house, stamping their feet with impatience. Shoulders pushed back, bent over, mouths opened wide. They took frenzied runs at their parents as they arrived with food. Finally, Dad, or was it Mom, took refuge on a telephone wire stretched out front and blasted their progeny. Such a scolding. Being a parent myself, I recognized the tone and well-imagined every word of chastisement. Two, that's why I carry a sack of peanuts and sunflower seeds with me wherever I go. The first time, they left me a gift of a single shiny black feather daily now ah sorry they beckon me when I step out the door with companion calls of caw, caw, caw persisting until I empty my stash on the park grass or at the base of a tree trilling melodiously they will follow us sometimes for blocks and blocks when Charlie and I are out for a walk swooping and circling one day the smallest one with a damaged beak perched on a wire waited for us to catch up Woof, 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 it said as we approached. Woof, 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 and a near perfect rendition of Charlie. By winter, oh three, by winter there were only three, broken beaked little one and two larger, the siblings or the parents, I worry but com- and comforted a little when I remember the intelligence and resilience of crows, how they look out for one another, understand right from wrong. Seated at a picnic table in the park, a crow once landed in the grass near to me with several smaller birds in hot pursuit. They dived at the large bird's head and scolded him mercilessly. He stayed put, wings lifted up to his neck like hunched shoulders. Head hanging, he accepted his punishment, looking thoroughly ashamed. And then the last one is called A Conversation of Crows. Solitary Crow calls to his friends across the road. They answer with a cacophony of cause, hop excitedly from branch to branch, or send salutations in stiff, unsynchronized bows by tipping their bodies back and forth in slow motion perched high on a spruce limb, too slight for his weight and flapping wings furiously to stay alight. Lone Crow punctuates each movement with a string of cursing Caws. Picking beans in the garden, I wonder what the ruckus is. Strained to hear the ten different calls Ernest Thompson-Seaton identifies in Crow language. Fail to hear anything but Caw, Caw, Caw. They're communing though, those crows, batting cause back and forth like a ping pong ball, sometimes rising emphatically at the end of a phrase or exclamation, or descending in a gentle curve to frame a question mark. Now they're lined up in a row like ellipses or a series of dashes, while my friend over here, confident now, keeps to his branch, springs up and down at the tip of his board, ready now. Dive headlong into the conversation. Thanks.
0: That was Tara Keener. Let's give her another hand. And one more time for John, Colleen, uh, Natalie, and Tara. And you just heard a reading by Tara Keener in the second session of the second day of the three days, or three days of, I guess, Poets at Art Fest 5, a Poetry Festival. And up next, you know what, I think I need to do this one more time, and we don't have time to do another. I don't think I can fit another reading in here, so we'll just start all over, and we'll get all of the third session in the next hour, but... I need to do this one more time, and I'll be right back.
2: music and what it's doing today listen to counterpoint hosted by myself selena Chirelli, here on cfrc 101.9 monday nights at 7
5: Martha's Table provides a caring place where people in need can have nutritious meal for only one dollar. Now you can get involved in this great cause.
1: Martha's Table is looking for volunteers to help in the kitchen, at the drop-in center, picking up food, or even being a friendly face at fundraising events. Volunteer orientation is every Thursday at 4.30 in the drop-in center and volunteers must be 14 years of age or older. You can donate using a credit card through marthastable.ca or you can send your donation by mail, cash, check, or
8: bank draft.
5: Martha's Table, 629 Princess Street. Whether it's volunteer donating, or anything else that you can offer Martha's Table, visit their website, marthastable.ca.
0: And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM, and uh, I'm going to have uh, several minutes here, actually. I do want to throw a little bit of music in both hours today, uh, because uh, just the timing works out that way, and I can do that, so I used to do it more often than I have been lately, so get a little more, get a couple of songs in here, uh, and I'll tell you about that when we get a little bit closer to that. But, uh, and uh, we don't have quite as many events that are quickly, quickly approaching. There are a few, and I want to talk about those, and uh, uh, so I do have a little bit extra time to throw some music on, so I think that's what I'll do. And uh, three more, uh, you know what, I'll just do the clothes like I would normally do the clothes, then we'll see where we're at for time and then I can figure it out from there so I will say you have been listening the first hour of Finding a Voice uh, here on CFRC 101.9 FM, again we are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University Kingston, Ontario um, my name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock and we do stream live online as well, dot www.cfrc.ca and as I started to say, I hope you can stay tuned for the second hour today. There are going to be four readings from that uh, third session that day. Yes, third session uh, that day. And uh, so that will be wonderful. So I hope you can stay tuned for that. In fact, I can tell you who it will be. It will be Krista Aselstein, uh, Dale Tracy, Allison Chisholm, and uh, Michael E. Castiles. And so I'm going to share a few upcoming events. Uh, there's actually a workshop tomorrow. It's called Ourselves in English, and it's hosted by Sadiqa Demer and uh, Amy Rubin Flett. And it's about uh, how it starts. The The listing starts is, did you learn English after your first language? So in other words, this would be English as a second language, and... Uh, Uh, The two of them are going to facilitate a half-day arts-based workshop that invites people to reflect on their experience. And this project is is for adults who learn English after another first language or languages, uh, ranging from those who did so in early life to those who who are learning English now. And still able to follow obviously English instructions, so it is a chance for participants to reflect artistically on what uh, living in English means to them. It is a free event. Uh, registration is required at uh, ourselves English, oh, or I'm sorry, ourselves in English at gmail.com, and that's all lowercase. So I messed it up. So let's do it again. ourselves in English all one word at gmail.com. Uh, this is sponsored by Queen's University and Gene Royce Fellowship. It's happening tomorrow, August 17th from 130 to 430, the Kingston Front Public Library, the Calvin Park Branch. Uh that's also located at 88 Wright Crescent. In Kingston, I think you can get more information also on their website www.kfpl.ca. There is a book signing coming up uh, on Thursday, uh, August twenty third, from seven to nine p.m. Kat uh, Verhoven will be on site to sign copies of her new graphic novel called Meat and Bone. Uh, That's going to be a Novel Idea Bookstore, one fifty six Princess Street and uh thursday august 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m then coming up uh this a week from sunday so it would be august 25th at 2 p.m another reading in the uh, bookshop in tamworth uh seasonal reading pretty much summer uh series uh, John Donlin and Miriam Claver uh, will be reading. John will be reading from his sixth collection of po- poetry called Out All Day. And Miriam Claver will be uh, reading from, or Claver, I guess I believe it is, read from her mystery novel, Fate Accompli Murder in Quebec City. Uh, light refreshment will be served, and music uh, will be played courti- courtesy of Ann Archer again Sunday A week from Sunday, so it will be Sunday, August 25th, 2 p.m., and it's located at the bookshop in Tamworth, which is at the foot of Peel and Bridge Street East. Also coming up, almost two weeks out. In fact, it is two weeks out, uh, and that will probably be the last event I'll get to, the monthly uh, last Saturday of the month afternoon series that was originated in December 2018 by the musical group known as Saf Decaf. Uh, which was Haley Sarfeld and Steph Kielak. Now with uh, Steph Overseas, the series will continue with Haley at the helm and with Anthea Fever's assistance. Musicians are always vetted for this, and uh, uh, they always sponsor a socially impactful charity, and this month's uh, charity will be True North Aid. And uh, www.truenorthaid.com dot uh, ca should take you to the website and you can see who they're sponsoring so there will be hot chocolate or seasonal beverages admission is suggested ten dollars all of that is donation that goes directly to the charity coming up saturday august 31st uh, from 2 to four thirty p.m at the community house 99 york street in kingston and uh yeah, I don't think I have time for any more announcements, so I do want to again thank you in, uh, thank you for tuning in to the first hour of today's show, and I hope you can stay tuned uh, for the second hour. I should mention at the to- uh, bottom of this hour now uh, that uh, each hour of the blog space or each hour of the show is saved to my blog space for it uh, each week uh, and you can find it will be there for four years actually you can find it there at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com so i'm gonna take us into the second hour today with uh fell in love with this uh album somebody gave me oh god 11 12 13 years ago Uh, Tara McLean, as far as I know, might have been her first album, but it's called Silence. And here's a cut off of it called For You. Again, that was Tara or, uh Tara McLean, off of uh, an al- 1996 album called Silence. I also heard uh, she is maybe already has uh, produced a new album, so that's pretty cool. After what, 23 years, so very wonderful. Anyway. It's 5 o'clock, and you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM, located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from forty-six o'clock. We do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. In the second hour, <clears throat> as mentioned in the first hour, we'll continue really uh, for... The next few weeks uh, with more, uh, I will break in once in a while and sort of catch up on some uh, air some air other events that have been recorded, uh, just because uh, this festival usually takes about two and a half months or so to get everybody to the airwaves. So uh, we're now <clears throat> about halfway through to, with today, and uh, so we're getting over the hump, I guess, but... It's not a hump. It's all good stuff. It's just I feel guilty. It takes so long to get everybody's uh, work to the air, but uh, we'll, we will make it. And so we're going uh, to hear from the third session, afternoon session, in the second day of the three-day uh, poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5. Uh, I should mention, as I did in the first hour, that uh, to honor the the place and the reason we were there, these readings did take place from June 29th to July 1st, uh, and uh, only because the festival itself is tied to that much larger Art Fest Kingston 2019 Artist Festival. I will say this first, though the usual hourly hourly announcement that occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language. All played in its entirety, though. Uh, with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece so let's go ahead and move into that third session of the second day of the three-day poets at art fest five poetry festival again this one was on june 30th here is krista Aselstein. no that won't go on the air Well, the next to the last uh, session this afternoon, up first in it, Krista Aselstein, did I say it right this time, Girl <laughs> is a Queen's University graduate, she's the creator of the M Society, a secretive writing society that provides tactile prompts to its members. Her poetry has been published in Launch and Freelit Magazine. Uh, One of her uh, short stories was published in the Lake Effect 7 Anthology here at Queens, and Krista was shortlisted in the Glimmer Train Top 25 for Short Fiction Contest in 2015. She is currently working on a novel. Let's bring up Krista Esselstein. Thank
6: you. Okay, I'm reading out of order, so I'm gonna—I might confuse myself. Okay, the first one's called "Hunting Grouse Infrequently Asked Questions." A hunting dog has got to do better than just staring. A grouse is ruffed and not ruffled. Addressed by the Ruffed Grouse Society in 2000, they agreed a hunting dog should rush in like the Light Brigade kitchen panic can be as upsetting as subway crowds, as loud as hunting dogs, as hysterical as a bunch of grouse, something you recall in high school, something like a grade 10 party. Grouse are well-known loners most of the time, but a group of grouse can be called whatever you like. A cigarette packet, a bouquet, a thunder volley a gullion and at last the prince and princesses of the game bird world. In suburbia we didn't do hunting. The wilds of our hair were chopped off into blunt cuts or textured crops. We chose the the lazy boy or we chose suicide. We chose to swim in plastic pools. We did things with a remote and 962 channels. We did them in dark basements Sometimes we took LSD for the trip, like visiting Ecuador or Scotland. Boys were bored in my suburbia. They once shut a cat in a microwave. Any kitchen appliance can kill, they said, a two-pronged fork, a cast iron frying pan, a general electric microwave. To this day, any person who comes to my house who observes me heating up the soup may wonder why I do not have a microwave, why my island is barren, my counter's minimal. They may advise me to get a microwave, like I live too far backwards in time, that I could be more efficient. Or they think that I am judging them, but I am not inefficient and I am not judging them. A cafe in Lake Bolsena. A chiseled head, a thick lead pipe fastened to the ceiling where rats run, a bed inside a garden, various shades of lamplight, Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park, the feast of Santa Cristina, a brass candelabra with layers of blue Tuscan wax. So old, remember that dirty Meerschaum pipe, the ladder that led to birthdays? The cheetah skin that sat on your shoulders, your purse clasps, your purse lips tisking at the hallway of pretty doors, hidden behind vacuous friends, late stage dandelions that grew up through the pavement cracks, ghosted, white petals blown away in one breath, wick fuel snuffed one by one across the courtyard. This is an ecrastic poem um, in response to Frida Kahlo's painting The Peaked Caps. I ache to have the confidence you had, Frida. And if I were unshakable, I too would sit at tables with elegant men and spill dirty jokes, allow sarcasm to drip off my chin like fr- fly soap rum. And when the room folded in, when the domino dominoed, with a kind of slow build, I would shout the word fire. I would say, look everyone, this here is a social origami, a crooked liar snap just before our heads cave in. God, just give me one evening of this kind of toe-to-toe so I can see how things fragment. And Frida, did you take this picture using the eyeball you place on every ceiling lamp? Did you catch it just before everything went awry? Right when Alejandro turned his back to frame Octavio and Chong Li? Right as each of them stuck it to Gentishi? Who in the world would cause such chaos? You would, Frida. You would smash the rum glass in some mean way and then tell one too many jokes about the unusual shape of Alejandro's penis. Thank
0: you. That was Krista Asselstein. Let's give her another hand. And you just heard Krista Asselstein in the third session on the second day of the Three Day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. Again held June 30th and again part of the larger Art Fest Kingston 2019 Artistic Festival that was a three day festival held uh, June 29th through July 1st. Up next in it that day in this session here is Dale Tracy. Up next Dale Tracy is the author of the chapbook celebration machine Proper Tales Press. Uh, the monograph, uh, With the Witnesses, poetry, uh, poetry, Compassion, and Claimed Experience, McGill Queens University Press. And the chapbook, What It Satisfies, Puddles of Sky Press. Her poems have appeared in publications like The Goose, The Gathering's chapbook series, and The Week Shall Inherit the Verse. Let's bring up Dale Tracy.
8: Thanks. Thanks everyone for being here and I'm so glad I'm here too. I'm going to read first from my chapbook that was published last year by Proper Tales Press. And the first one's called Nothing World. Nothing is everything it could be. We live in the human world. Maybe it's like that everywhere. When I opened an orange, my eyes bite something fully foreign. If I eat in secret, it's mine forever. Some think we live a secret game smart others made. But aren't we smart strangers who like games ourselves? The next one's called, It's Raining, Me Too. Every galaxy has a hole at its center. The sun will never turn into a black hole. The earth will never fall into a black hole. That's the kind of thing we know. Someone was thrifty with the skin when they sewed me. Many surfaces complete the body. Something lines your lungs. Under every skin is another one. If people were poems, I'd be a detective. If I were a courier, I'd be a poet. It's perplexing because I am a poet but don't have your parcel or anything else you asked for. Parable of Intrusive Possibilities. A long red bird slid up my pant leg and froze. I felt its tense trembling against my bone and shook it to the floor. Someone told me its beak still works. It will be weeks like this. I should give it water. I took it to the balcony, placed it in the sun with a teacup plate of water. I was squeamish to touch it, wild creature at my mercy. This one is A Generation Later. Light goes and colour. Memory sculpt red for its shape in the loss of its shade. Feelings kept by colours fade and the next youths ask why they have eyes and try to believe curtains billowed at trapped sunlight or dark fold pupils held the shine round. They smooth yellow as drops, pat it living again and again against their minds' curved walls. Uh, evolution of work no no a bee explained one time in a waiting room to the ant nearby pollen's heavier than you think the works romanticized like farming the ant in youth escaped a jail of glass and dirt develop developing teeth and pinchers over time to scrape and burrow out it remembered its mouth of glass and nodded to the bee's life But that was before bees had stings and wings when they climbed flower stems with will, teeth and knees and bears had only to pinch to squeeze out their honeyed veins. Now in the shifty hours of sun and dew, the bee shimmies a chamois across its stinger. It takes a briefcase that is imaginary but useful anyway. It checks its teeth, it smooths its stripes. It travels to the city. So this is the world of bees, thought the bee. Shelves of candles, jars, soaps. It's a job, it thinks, breathing at a nostalgic nosegay it stores in its briefcase. The smell of climbing into petals. The last one from the chapbook I'll read is called Catharsis. My feathered pancreas quivers with vibrations in its portioned sky of fluids flaps mildly inside the lined sack tucked into the bottom of boned cage. Sometimes it leads a flight up or down, squeezing my inner sea into a cardinal direction, indicated by messages (coughs) my brain secretes around the legs of pigeons. With weighty ankles, they find their way back along my spine, that steep highway. Pigeons and pancreases do not chirp the same language. And fear might arrive in the hooded and nimble mystery of excitement, until the naked eagle of logic sweeps its wingspan round my torso, tearing its talons over cloak and suspense. Fear sits shamed and ordinary. It seeks recovery with party tricks. Logic draws close. Um, And then I have one more published one. Uh, It was in The Goose last year. It's called, We Live on a Fire Planet. And I take that line from Dr. Brian Amiro, who was quoted in CBC's May 2018 article, We Live on a Fire Planet, Why Spring is the Most Dangerous Time for Wildfires. And it's a Villanelle. We live on a fire planet. A fire sends from high. A fire in the deep receives it. The core, a magnet, calls back to sky. We live on a fire planet. To space, A net, where solar signals multiply, a fire in the deep sends it. Earth's poles, dynamic, switch roles, awry, we live on a fire planet. Sun to solid metal, an ambit, a reply, a fire in the deep receives, sends it. The cycling heart, galvanic, feels from flowing iron overlie, we live on a fire planet, a fire receives sends it. And uh, the next ones are all newer, and none of them are published yet. They're all in-progress maybe. Saving for the Future. A cold hillside in blue night, backed with trees and sided, planted with wild beasts and domestic, spaced two feet, breaking the crust, exposed, curled tail to nose. I can eat my seeds or press them in snow, brown like the earth, silent like after a question. How will they howl when they wake? The Next one is Always. It's always a circular bay that leads to open ocean. I swim water clear-toned, invisible, all the way to sand. Then opaque comes with dark air pinching up waves. I make for shore but stop short at the just submerged school of ducks distorted and obscured by stormwater. It's always another world that flocks at the juncture. The next one I wrote in a workshop with Jason Haru a couple months ago um, at the library. And so I started off reacting to a line from a poem that I brought to the workshop called Essay on Craft by Ocean Vuong. But I've kept the poem moving so much that the beginning is lost now, I think. So it's called, Careful is a Fire that Tends Itself. Busy with beetle-veined care, I'm shaking red drops off, dropping leaves, kicks of fire, blank bright pages. One thing causes another, and I hoarded burnt up tools I burnt to hot up. A red pen with bright ink scatters beetles in the grasses it corrects. Nothing contagions like corrections. Dandelions burn yellow, and bees carry their flames to make honey to smoke hives out, and careful shaking disappears in a swarm that takes up the air. The air is gone wrong, and then it's gone. Um, Non-interference. I have two more. We slide into Earth's basement. We're off limits, so we must be inside ourselves. It is dark but we are day, not a glow just lit by another place, a plateau some worlds above. We're cutouts from the rock, a reality that changes its lone visitor self. My last home is called Camp Co- Compass Glottis. <laughs> Ospreys live where I work. I use a bridge to cross the river full of fish. I don't barrel my body across worlds like hungry Pandian who sees as well wet or dry. The fossil record holds extinct sea hawks who died flying and in brackish water with spicules speared fish and without. I don't soar or look underwater and dry eyes become an eyesore. When every compass holds a magnet Aiming is a trial and an error. Arrows point to words stuck in teeth, filling cavities in grey amalgam, glinting out the molar's true north. I locked the important part inside itself, but the ferris nearby deviates me until I surrender the binnacle. Have you ever scooped from a pelican's beak? The prey gone before you could praise the swollen pouch, its secret sea, the hollow bones, Breasts ready air sacks, the inner empty inflation floating its own waters.
0: Thank you. Deal, Tracy, let's give her another hand. that was dale tracy from the third session in the second day of the three-day poets at art fest five poetry festival held on june 30th tell you what um break in just a little bit quicker than normal here for this but let's go ahead and do this now and i'll be right back Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music
8: to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Sit
5: back, relax, listen to some hip-hop with the Premium Plus. Uh, right <laughs> Friday, non nah, nah, rockin', so it's time to go. DJ, professional, rockin' the show.
3: It's a fantastic dollar bill every Friday night. At 9 p.m., it's uh, sit, sit back,
5: relax, listen to some hip hop on the premium club show Friday. Whatever the ground, hot, oh. Just remember the party time starts at nine and doesn't end until ten. I'll
2: be there. I mean, if there's a listener supported radio station, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world, not just what the corporate media want you to see a different picture, different understanding, but a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become uh, human, you know, that's the way you become human participants in a, in a social and political system.
1: Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight, where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let The Hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on four to the floor Fridays, only on CFRC 101.9 FM.
4: I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The future is on your table.
5: Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how
0: at davidsuzuki.org. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock we do stream live online as well www.cfrc.ca coming up next and again from that same third session of the second day of the three-day poets at art fest five festival here is allison chisholm up next allison chisholm lives and writes in kingston ontario her poetry has appeared in the northern testicle review as a puddles of sky chap poem the dollhouse uh, the wheat shall inherit the verse and as a prop proper tales press chapbook on the count of one she played a gluck gluckenspiel in the hawaiian uh, dream pop band scub <coughs> And her most recent book, On the Count of None, was released by Anvil Press in the fall of 2018. Her photography has been exhibited in the tiniest gallery. Let's bring up Allison Chisholm.
9: Thank you. Um, If I look like I'm going to ingest a bug, just let me know. So I'll read a couple from uh, my, my, my first, my only uh, published book, On the Count of None, and then some newer stuff. <clears throat> so this poem is called uh, Listening for the Extraterrestrial Message. Can you hear me okay? No,
4: I mean... Oh, 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 okay.
9: <clears throat> Citizens of the Cosmos. The absent are always wrong in dealing from the bottom of the deck. Under our hats, a calm intensity, a eureka moment, a revelation in the scriptures flickers in and out like brain waves and heartbeats, strange goings on between the orbits, intercepted transmissions, greetings in 24 human languages, strands of esoteric lore, the strength of one man's fist. When listening for the extraterrestrial message, the most ancient rules apply. Measured in hours and degrees, sermons in the stones are passed by without further assessment, while the brightest stars in each hemisphere are plotted on the charts. With proper orientation, The stars of last season become signposts and pointers. Use this map to orient your location. 15 degrees from the north? Or three steps forward and one shaky inhalation? These are the coordinates where we rise and set, our horizons shifted, our axes tilted. This next poem is called The Delicate Thing. I keep thinking about how it felt to stand beside you on that quiet morning with the coffee brewing and the water boiling and the eggs tapping and you avoiding my outstretched hand with your stretched out truth. It gets ground up in your kitchen with each drawer open and the throats clearing and the eyes lowering and the nostrils flaring and the cheeks flushing and the doors slamming and the darkness deepening and the dust stirring and the clouds bursting and the thunder roaring. It's nice to stand beside you poem is actually a poem i wrote for michael my husband and on thursday it will be our four-year wedding anniversary it's called money in the meter for michael in accordance with your core principles my job has been to keep you alive hardly permissible under law but from the business side of things this affiliation has been lucrative for both of us When I cannot find you, I know where to look (laughs) Between our resting oars Beneath our neighbor's prying eyes Within the curtain's creases Next to the fallen markers Along the streets with these warm bodies Inside each of these dimensions You deliver on your calling Overheard by others Our steady breaths Our pumping blood Electrical impulses and chemical reactions. <laughs> so the next poem is called "Thievery." Thievery. A dream atmosphere is achieved at the apex, stolen from a secure cargo area, disarmed by a police officer. Bitter masterminds who guarded from birth. Abscond with curiosities and wonders Worth rupees and jewels Sapphire and diamonds Or at least one Canadian dollar So this is the last one I'll read from the book And it's, it's called Who Besides Me <laughs> You at the helm windward. And wind blown wayward, a dark sky observer. Below these decks address these hands, disorderly and ungloved, heavy handed but adrift, a foot abreast, a sacker of cities, capsized or baptized, I take the fall. <clears throat> um Recently, a collection of my poems were published in this uh, publication. It's called the. It's from Skeleton Press. It's the first the first issue, and it's a collection of uh, poems that have been disguised as horoscopes. And so uh, the series is called the Precise Order of Things. So if uh, if you're interested, I'd like to read your horoscope. So perhaps if someone would just volunteer a sign and i'll respond by reading their horoscope yeah scorpio, scorpio. sure <clears throat> scorpio make the most of your strong hold and take a sudden leap follow an echo through a quiet hallway stand below an unlocked window rehearse your lines and take a final bow <laughs> <laughs> Leo, okay, I'm also Leo, so it's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there, yeah. Uh, Leo, do not hesitate before you cross the road. Unfold a map. Roll a die. Don a scarf. Avoid a lengthy labor. Escape a painstaking procedure. Study your lines before you speak the gospel. (laughs) Pisces. Pisces. (laughs) Today you will be wise to hire a decent stand-in. Before your next move, allow the earth to shift and waves to crash. Drink deeply from the grail of perpetuity. At daybreak, salute the sky as the first songbird sings her morning chorus. (laughs) <laughs> Virgo, Virgo, pay attention to the myths of ancient cultures. Reject your tea leaf prophecy. Rearrange the precise order of things and enjoy a fruitful season. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'll read just two newer poems. <clears throat> Oh, yes, and I also want to mention that um, that three of the four people reading today belong to a secret society, <laughs> but that's as much as I'll say. Okay. <laughs> um, so this next poem, it's untitled, and actually, I can't tell you where it came from, it's a secret, <laughs> it's a bit of a secret, <laughs> and it's untitled, so, uh, so yeah, so... On our spiritual Thursdays, a Methodist and well-meaning man spoke softly to a slope-shouldered woman who kept a shop in a nearby town. Her mother in a delicate position, her uncle, the hanging judge, her hand trembles softly like a tooth emerging from the gum. In her ear, the resonation of a hollow note. On her tongue's tip the reminder of a well-loved story. In the fading light, she studies herself and speaking several lines of verse, lights a candle and hums a song. And this is the last poem I'll read today and it's called Harden the Target. A pale moon rose on the heels of summer. Beside the lake, a storm rolled in. When you left, I felt like a highway on a long weekend or a heavy rain, a boggy wetness underfoot. Perhaps your holdup had me heedful. Five years following our escape, I'm sure I saw you in museum hallways or casino lobbies or standing below unlocked windows in the longest hour of the night. Through bars and cells, I saw you slip between the shadows you slipped beneath my steady stare when I woke and you were absent I felt like an echo in a quiet hallway or an unlocked door a hidden key thank you
0: Allison Chisholm let's give her another hand And you just heard a reading by Allison Chisholm in the third session on the second day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. Again, that was held June 30th. Up next in in that session that day and was also, well, both, I guess, will be the final poet I air this afternoon and was the final poet in that session that day. And uh, here is Michael E. Castile's. Up next, Michael E. Castile's wrestles with robots in existential crisis, dinosaurs that refuse extinction, alphabets in various stages of explosion, implosion, and many other uh, serious topics like centuries long bus rides and the way the clouds look right now. His first collection of poetry, The Last White House at the end of the row of White Houses was published in the autumn of 2016 by Invisible Publishing. <laughs> He lives in Kingston, where he runs Puddles of Sky Press, and as an aside, writes very touching and beautiful
5: introductions. Let's
0: bring up Michael Castile.
5: Thank you, everyone. I'm just going to start by saying that I am not part of a secret writing community, so you can do the math there and... I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna jump around temporally through my work. So this is uh, called my departure from gallantry. The day began with a stone hefted through the lake's window. There was no piecing back my reflection. I was lagoon. Again and again, I was lagoon. Nothing would change the simple fact that nothing would change the simple fact. It was very simple, everything had changed, and I was still Lagoon. The Woodsman On the bank of the stream, I meet a hunter. His gun is moss-covered, his beard thick with foliage. He says he has been lost for years. I tell him he is not far from the village. I can show him the way back. He smiles a toothless grin and says he's been away too long to go back. He now understands the nature of change, leaves turning from green to red as he blinks. I grab his arm to lead him, but the limb snaps off in my hand. The hunter looks at me with nodded eyes and shakes his head. The air grows cold. The wood needs splitting. I lift my axe and swing. He smiles a toothless grin and tells me he has been lost for years. This is called Home for a Dog. Are you guys listening? There was that time we were camping in a thunderstorm. Every few seconds, the sky lit up our tent, but you slept right through, rolling to your side. Your heavy sigh, making the world a better place while reminding my heart of its constant state of disrepair. Tomorrow is another day with you, but it's also one day less. There are still so many undiscovered streets stars whose light has not yet reached us we've barely begun to breathe every fire burns to the same conclusion the small mound that remains aren't we the same the sound of rain on the roof of the tent the thunder rippling the lake earlier i wrote poems on its shoreline you dug a hole and rolled in sand the sky clouded And we started the long hike back to the campsite. You were far ahead, nose to the ground, occasionally glancing over your shoulder to make sure I was still there. So this next poem is kind of, uh, started off as an experiment from this last poem where I just kind of took it and I think I just cut the poem in half and then rearranged all the lines. Um, And then I edited it down from there. So this is called To Skip Your Heart Like a Stone. There was that time you were the rain on undiscovered streets. Your heavy rumble of thunder rolled in as the storm reached through you to breathe. I glanced over your shoulder to the remains of the rippling sky. The long seconds encroached, but the lake didn't wake. And between each second, a constant state of tomorrow, reminding me that you were the clouds, though you started small, not yet a thunderstorm, but a sigh barely begun. When downstairs whispers, shh, a deep breath inhales the person who drops it. Grocery Day. The two boys from next door are outside, playing cops and robbers. As I finish unloading the car, they run up to me. Where'd you get those? The officer asks, pointing to the bags. Must have robbed a bank, the other boy explains. They're just groceries. Honest, I say. The officer makes a gun of his thumb and index finger, aims it at my chest and says, put up your hands but the bags are too heavy. I can't lift them above my head. He smiles and says, bang, bang. I double over, say, ooh, you got me, and they laugh. I stumble and fall. I writhe on my back and roll to my stomach. They are in hysterics. I force a cough and feel faint. On hands and knees, I reach for my stomach, see red on the tips of my fingers my teeth chatter the boys howl i lie on my back head lolling sideways slowly a jar of pickles rolls toward the curb where it teeters precariously and this next poem i didn't realize it at the time when i was writing it but it's kind of potentially a sequel to that poem now the beastly limits sing Clearly, the doctor had better places to be. His eyes were glazed, his hands shook. "'Please, you've got to help me!' I yelled. He just shook his head and muttered, "'You're not even here. You're just a figment of my imagination.' I looked down at my abdomen, the hole torn into me. "'Help me, please, for the love of God, it's killing me!' The doctor clenched his eyes and covered his ears with his hands. "'Just leave me alone!' Doctor, I cried, but he was slowly fading, or I was slowly fading, no longer certain which one of us was a figment of the other. The Long Weekend A Neanderthal steps out of his white SUV. The Stone Age is only a ten-minute drive away, and a large poutine will cure what ails him. No sun in this morning sky, a chill wind sweeps through his beard. The lineup is already a century long, but the chip truck doesn't open for another 15 minutes. Cash cow. A snake in the grass isn't something to be sneezed at. I have a sneaking suspicion that these rose tinted spectacles can't see the fall of cards. We'll kill you with kindness, the kind of need-to-know details of where we'll bury the hatchet. Angels on horseback toot their own horns throughout the red-light district. The hair of the dog on the heart on my sleeve is a real cash cow. There's no such thing as free, but once in a blue moon, what you see is what you get. A 600-pound gorilla in a silver wheelchair painting the town red. A nation of shopkeepers get their goats and their forty winks. I cashed in my chips, for it was raining cats and dogs and other mumbo-jumbo. I was dead from the neck up, though I racked my brains and took a rain check. I was caught red-handed playing the dead man's hand Though I felt born again. By and large, blood and thunder barked up the wrong tree. We'll paper over the cracks and accidentally, on purpose, make out like bandits. This is called Gone Fishing, and it was recently published in the Inspired Heart anthology. The water was still, and my canoe barely made a ripple on its calm surface. I'd been fishing for hours without a single bite, but I didn't mind. I was content with casting and reeling and allowing the faint breeze to drift me towards the marsh. From among the cattails, a blue heron lifted into the air, a few ducks loitered in the bulrushes, and on the shore, a family of beavers gnawed on some saplings. The largest one stopped and stared at me, so I waved in greeting and yelled, Be not alarmed, for I am just a weary voyageur paddling through your territory. Please, return to your preferred diet of aspen, willow, or birch. But the beavers ambled toward the shore and slid into the water without a sound. I cast my line again and began reeling when a velvety head broke the surface, and then with a loud slap and a large splash, it was gone. Beaver, I said, do not be threatened. I want not your waterproof pelt, only to pass by unharried. But I could hear the grinding of elongated incisors against the bottom of my canoe. Be gone, I yelled, stomping my feet. Return to your lodges of woven sticks and reeds. More beavers had arrived, circling me, slapping the water violently with their broad, scaly tails. Please, I continued, you should be gathering food for the winter, felling trees, packing mud, repairing the leaks in your dams. I lashed out, striking with my paddle, but in a flurry of foam it was decimated. The canoe was leaking, their teeth were breaking through. I took a deep breath and dove. I have two more poems. This one's called Hair of the Dog. Dog hair everywhere, piling traffic on the highway, a used battery, a triple A, currently alone, a fraction without relation to anything in the world. A countryside sky, hewing a deeper blue, an upside down lake. Reading the daydream script, script, and performing in front of thousands me i'm a regular person and a hundred thousand years later i'm more regular than before finally writing the last page of the script i've been reading since day one quiet moments contemplating our assumed identities a body of water lake ontario or something smaller a red rowboat in endless blue hardly the return of every atom that made you But the view is nice, and the air fresh, and the roses blooming in autumn, humming all the while. It's morning, it's night, have you forgotten the time? Pleased as punch, thrilled as carburetor, whimsy as horsefly, to pour like rain in a black and white movie, to pour like rain in a black and white movie, to pour like rain in a black and white movie, mouthing the lines as if for the first time, the last time, the time, now, half-past, so lake, guide me home, show me your apple core, your bowling pin, I pine ever your waving goodbyes, parting of particles, pursuit of blue, possible quantum uncertainties, but isn't that always the way? No more to embalm our gods, but at a doorway we pause, tilt our heads in query, and turn the handle, and push and push, and perchance a tide sweeps me, and a cloud spits me, and a puddle applauds my footsteps, while I startle the old goat, who speeds off after the horizon, dims its lights and sinks into the wild, its many clocks ringing. And this is my last poem, called Brushing the Dog. Birds build nests. Thank you.
0: Michael E. Castile, let's give him another hand. And for the four of them, well, here they are all sitting in a line. Krista, Tracy, Allison, and Michael. Another round. And stay tuned to this tent at 430 for the next round of readers, the final round of the afternoon, uh, going to feature Robert Bob Hogg and uh, Bruce Whiteman, Phil Hall, and Armand Garnett Rufo. So, And uh, the authors have books inside. I think they sprayed in there. It's a little bit better. But I'm going to spray again. And so, cool. Thanks. And you just heard a reading by Michael E. Castiles in the third session of the second day of the three-day Poets at ArtFest 5 Poetry Festival on June 30th. And again, that event is part of the larger three-day ArtFest Kingston 2019 Artist Festival. Uh, that ran from June 29th through July 1st there's an annual event there every year on that weekend. And as now is Poets and Art Fest as well. Uh, I hope you can s- tune in next uh, week to catch more from the second day. Uh, in fact, you heard uh, me, and that's why I almost cut that off, but I thought, no, I'll just let that play. It announced who you'll be hearing in the first portion of the show next week and will be the final round of that second day and then in the second hour next week uh, we're gonna bring we're gonna finally move into the third day and uh so the third day of poets at art fest five uh festival and that was held uh, july 1st so we're working our way through the event and uh, should be probably six or seven readings uh, from the first portion of that July 1st day and the remi- and the end of, I should say the end of the June 30th and then the, the July 1st day we'll be catching the very beginnings of. So that's more accurate. <clears throat> and, uh, what I'd like to do is thank you in for uh, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, you have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. And we'll remind you at the end of this hour as well that uh, each hour of this show each week uh, is uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after the show ends and I get home. It will remain there for four years and that site is, that blog space site is, uh, finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Coming up uh, right at the top of the hour... Uh, do please stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music uh, as well in a show called Saltwater Music, hosted by Rob Carnell. Again, that begins at the top of the hour. And I thought kind of a nice lead-in because uh, originally, uh, well, it kind of ties into the music on his show, and originally she is from out east, uh, someone I mentioned in the first hour, but if you didn't catch it there or just tuned in later, Uh, Someone gave me an album uh, now a dozen or so years ago, maybe, uh, and it was uh, Tara McLean uh, and her Silence album, and that was a 1996 recording, so it had already been out there for a while. I just wasn't familiar with it, and as I mentioned in the first hour, I fell in love with it. I did play a cut off of it to finish up uh, the show in the first hour, Uh, with the intention of playing another cut off of it this hour because I thought it might be kind of a nice lead into uh, Rob's uh, show beginning at 6 o'clock. So just as this ends, that will begin. I've uh, decided for the other song I'm going to play off that, there was a uh, more... What's the right word I'm looking for? Just a more completely, uh, a more complete like electric guitar and all that stuff uh, version of a song on the album called "Let Her Feel the Rain," but I'm opting for the acoustic version of it uh, that kind of ended the album. Here it is again. Thanks for tuning in today. Stay tuned for Saltwater Music.